Listen to Disney's Four Scores, a new podcast featuring composers like Randy Newman, Kristen Anderson Lopez, and Robert Lopez, and Christoph Beck as they talk about creating music for Frozen 2, the Toy Story films, Ant-Man, and many more. Subscribe to Four Scores today. Hola, listeners. Welcome to the Adventure Seed Podcast, a random roller podcast where every show is different. I'm Whitney. And I'm Heather. Out of 20 possibilities, we rolled to travel through space and time for our adventure today to talk about a fanfic called A Story of Three Lifetimes by E. Junkiette. We also rolled for drinks. Heather rolled up a Diet Dr. Pepper, and I was supposed to get an Allen special. But uh, due to a work conflict, I will have to settle for my red, red wine. So uh, stick around and see what chaos we come up with today. I'm going to start rolling dice as our transition. What do you think? Okay, let's do it. <laughs> so Heather, you uh, rolled for a fanfic. I did. And the world of fan fiction is very vast. And so I tried to find a subject matter that I knew we both loved and Doctor Who was pretty easy to to land on for that. Um, and it allowed us to talk about like which doctors we loved and which ones we we didn't love as much. So I found a fan fiction um, by E. Junkiette. And if we're saying your name wrong, I'm very sorry. It's a screen name. Um, but this fan fiction that I landed on involves the ninth doctor and the 10th doctor and Rose Tyler. And the Metacrisis. And the Metacrisis. Yes. And the world of fan fiction, like subject matter wise, it's so vast, but even the kinds of fan fiction that exists within each fiction realm are, are so different. And so we even ended up having to have a discussion about like the kinds of fan fiction we're comfortable reading or not comfortable reading. And we got to do a little bit of learning about some genres that we didn't know existed. So that was nice. Yeah. <laughs> We're not nice. Uh, we had to have some conversations and similar to the one that we had, you know, with the sex criminals, you know, non-consent is rape. You know, I, yeah. I, I just can't see another way around that. And like, they'll say, you know, the criminal blah 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 held her at gunpoint threatened her life and then they had sex and then he murdered her and i'm like no he then he raped her and then he murdered her just like why right. are we so afraid to say the words like you had to say you know we're going to use the clinical term for things when you're talking about a penis and a vagina like why can't we not just say these words right i mean like <laughs> I've had students come to me and use non-clinical words like like girls will come to me and instead of just being like I've started my period girls will tell me I need to go to the nurse because I boo-booed and I'm like I don't do you have an injury I have band-aids and they're like no no I boo-booed and I'm like I don't understand what you're telling me and I can't I, I don't know what to put on your hall pass and then they'll like lean in and whisper like oh I started my period and i'm like girl everybody does it don't be ashamed go to the nurse like what's wrong with you yeah 
And I, I understand like not wanting to discuss it, you know, that's fine. But like, just use the basic clinical term. Nobody make a big deal out of it and move on, you know? So at least be like, I need to go get sanitation supplies from the nurse. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, people, people are weird about terms. But when we were looking through this, this Doctor Who, the, the page that we found that hosted this Doctor Who fan fiction is called a teaspoon and an open mind. And they have 43,000 stories on there. So if you like Doctor Who, uh, this is definitely your stop. But they have warnings associated with um, the different fan fictions. Um, some typical fan fiction favorites are things like explicit sex, um, swearing, some BDSM. But there were several categories that we did not realize were a thing. And we well, so the non-con, non-con is non-consensual. And you had to teach me that. And that's what I'm equating with rape. I don't care if it's yeah. rape fantasies or whatever. It can it can be that. That's fine. But call it what it is. Like oh, non-con yes. is like anybody could pull that up. Like just put and non-con is four fucking five five letters. No, six letters. So yeah, use four letters. It's easier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so non-consensual anyway. non consent, i.e. rape. Um, we didn't want to expose viewers to that not knowing um, what... I didn't want to I didn't want to be exposed to that. Right, and Whitney doesn't like to be exposed to that. I don't like to be exposed to that. And because we do try to keep our show as PG, PG-13 friendly as possible, we did also avoid any BDSM explicit violent or explicit sex this time around. Yeah, because just like a little fun fact, uh, one of the most popular fanfics in the whole world is Fifty Shades of Grey. I mean, it was a it was a Twilight fanfic that she changed the names to protect her libel suit. <laughs> yeah, but so I mean, there there are those fanfics out there. They're so much better erotica than a lot of fanfics that you will see so you know I, I wanted to keep it kind of clean and kind of fun and Heather was totally willing to go that that path with me well so, I, I one of the things that makes me uncomfortable with fan fictions like one of my favorite fanfic genres is Harry Potter and people like to ship characters together for those that don't know fan fiction language shipping is when you make two characters date that didn't date in the normal universe of, well, of relationship right relationship and a lot of people like to ship like snape and harry and i'm like nope time out harry potter's like 12 we can't nope nope um, or or they'll ship like Dumbledore and and I'm like this isn't this isn't okay I'm not okay with pedophilia in in my fan fiction and no. and sometimes people yeah. will age a character up or they'll age a character down and that makes it a little bit more tasteful but it's just not my cup of tea and so when it comes to character shipping I'm really cautious about what I read just because I do have those hard lines that I know I'm not okay with. Well, and that's to its credit and why I do love fanfic so much and in its own right, because I do. And like every bookworm has gone through their fanfic phase, or maybe it's not just a phase for you. Maybe you just love it forever. You know what, what I do love about it is it is so nuanced on how you can sort those suckers out. 
Like there's so yes. many, like you said, thousands of them. So they, they make it so easy to, to categorize and, and kind of narrow down the breadcrumbs and get what you, what you want out of a story. Absolutely. I teach fan fiction writing to my creative writing class because asking teenagers to write a story from scratch is really intimidating. But when I say take your favorite subject matter and just rewrite it or put yourself into it or write a different ending, it's really easy for them to do that. And so fan fiction is also a great way to practice your writing skills with already created content so that you're not having to like reach into the void of yourself and pull new things out. That's a great way to put that. I mean, and that's valid for anyone, anyone that's looking to start writing and you don't know where to, where to begin. That's, that's a valid point. Take like, write what you know. I mean, obviously you can't publish it, but uh, you change the names to protect the innocent and, you know, come up with something fun. Yeah. So um, this fan fiction, like we said, it's the ninth doctor and the 10th doctor. And um, the, the genre that this is considered is character study romance. So the author, uh, E. Junkiet, has taken these doctors and they've written it almost like a journal entry or a diary. Um, and it's dealing with the romance that the ninth and 10th doctor have um, for Rose Tyler from those doctors' perspectives, making it a character study. And um, Whitney, I know that you read this like super recently. What did you think of, of how this read and, and the way that the author was trying to get you to like emotionally buy into this, this story that they've created? Well, you know, to be completely honest, I feel like E. Junkiet made the, like, it was, it was pretty safe. It, she didn't try to, she didn't try to change too much. You know, she kind of just gave you what's going on behind those big blue eyes in each doctor's mind, what she mm -hmm. felt. And he's like, the, the way that the writers have done on Doctor Who is they've always given a pretty clear a pretty clear message with actions but each of the each of the actors have brought like a great human component to this time lord species yes and i love that she kind of just tapped into that like she's just showing you kind of the human aspect of each one of these doctors well and in doctor who there's there are a lot of moments where no words are said by characters there's just that like three second longer clip on someone's face without words and it's all expression on their face and your phrase tapped into is perfect because she really did focus on we're assuming that E. Junkiet is as a girl you might be a boy sorry well um, we think we think female or identifying female because of the profile picture that uh she uses and her pseudonyms yeah are are very geeky so they they kind of don't really give away the the preferred pronoun but i i'm i feel pretty confident saying female or female yeah. identifying yes uh, but so the moments that each junkie has focused in on in this story really are those those moments in the episodes where there are no words there's just expression on the doctor's face and i love how she has given words to those moments. 
Absolutely. And and, it, and you're right. It's very much like a diary or journal entry, like, like a captain's log since he's flying a ship, a spaceship. Mm-hmm. He, he very, he he's always, so you were talking about, we got to identify our favorite doctors. Is one of your favorite doctor nine or 10? Number nine is my second favorite doctor. My first is 11. My When did my, you come in on Doctor Who? So I... I think I came in sometime during the 11th doctor's tenure, but I started with the ninth. The ninth was my first doctor. Okay. And so I watched all of Eccleston. I loved it. I watched David Tennant and I loved Tennant's doctor in the beginning, but by the end of Tennant's tenure, that doctor was really wearing on me. And the first generation or the second generation? Second. And okay. Okay. Tenet, Tenet even acknowledges that, like, the Doctor had a god complex at that point, and that's the part of the character that I just really didn't like. And, and so, I couldn't agree with you more. I could not agree with you more. So by the time, by the time Tenet left the role, I was very ready for a new Doctor, and the series had gotten so emotionally serious. I just, I loved that that. Smith came in and like one of the first lines is custard and fish sticks. And I'm like, oh, this is silly and fun again. And those companions are my favorite out of the 11th Doctor's tenure. The storylines, I loved the storylines so much so that I I don't want to give away yet um, for those that, that do follow us on social media, we'll be announcing the gender of our child soon. But I will say one of the names we've picked comes from the 11th Doctor's tenure. Um, I love it. <laughs> so, I mean, like, that's how much I love that part of the show. And so, um, I just, so, my my next favorite Doctor is is probably the fourth, but a lot of people haven't gone back to, to watch a lot of old Who, so I was hesitant to pull a fanfic from that era. Well, classic who is difficult because the BBC lost so many of them. I'm very yes. much a serial watcher. I want to I want to know the whole story. And after I've watched the whole story in order, I can sometimes go back and watch a favorite episode over and over like the Van Gogh episode. I will always watch that a million times over. I don't have to watch any other who around it. But it like is such a beautiful episode. When a new book comes out or when the next episode in a series or the next season comes out, I always kind of have to go back from the beginning, watch it, get my mindset back there, live there mm-hmm. again, and then get the new content. So it's yeah. kind of, I kind of have to go back and, and, and start it over each time. Yeah, especially like, like the 11th Doctor for me, I feel like that story has a lot more episodic continuity from from moment to moment and i don't i don't like to just jump in somewhere in the middle for that doctor whereas i feel like a lot of the ninth doctor's episodes are like monster of the day so yeah. I, can, I can jump in anywhere for that one well and how the so the ninth doctor was kind of pitched to eccleston as one thing and then they end up kind of doing something different And that's why he had a lot of issues because they also pushed him a lot harder mentally than they should have. And they, they showed regularly that he he was kind of like second rate and he didn't really tell that because he doesn't, he's not a, he's not a dump bad news on the world and, and move on. He just, 
He just took mm-hmm. his leave. And so the way that this author, E. Junkiet, transitioned the ninth doctor. So she came in saying the ninth doctor stuff. Like the first one was her strongest, in my opinion, the first chapter. Yeah, I agree. And then, then it goes through the regeneration and the ninth doctor goes and the 10th doctor comes on. And the beginning of chapter two, when she talks about the 10th doctor, um, how he's the, he's the, the man born from love. Like he was born loving Rose. And I thought mm-hmm. that was kind of cool. It gave me a little bit of goosebumps. And then yeah. the ninth doctor was the doctor that was born from the, from essentially the war doctor, as we know from the 50th anniversary. Um, I also love that she touched, cause like Eccleston's doctor was a little dark, um, especially for rebooting a show. He very much was. And so I really like that she, she grounded that. And the aspects of the doctor that we got later. Like, I feel like I appreciated Eccleston's doctor more once we got that war doctor story for the 50th anniversary episode. I understand. And I think I kind of feel like that was almost like their kind of their apology to him as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I like the ninth doctor was my first doctor. I started watching it when it was rebooted from classic who. And like, I, I was waiting with bated breath each Saturday. Like it was a big deal and it was kind of written for like young teenage boys is kind of how it was written. That's where it's got the the monster of the day effect, you know, mm-hmm. but, but the storyline and the way, and the, the way that the actor delivered it, it did lend to some darker stuff. And this agent yet totally taps into that whole part of he was a war doctor and broken. And so you've got a broken doctor. And I identify so much with broken characters. Like I typically am the, the one following the villain or I'm the one that's trying to explain why the person that everybody hates, well, maybe this is why they feel this way or they're acting this way. So I totally, I totally see why I love nine so much. And 10 was started off kind of fun. Um, like born out of love. Like who, who, who doesn't get a little excited about that? But as you said, he t- he got a god complex by the end of by the second by his first regeneration, our second generation seeing it. And then, do we want to talk about the chapter three, which tells about the meta crisis, Doctor? So I I wish that chapter three was more. Yeah, um, I felt like and and E Chunkia acknowledges that at some point. There might be an epilogue on a different platform. I couldn't find it, so I'm maybe that's still an in-process thing. But I feel like the Metacrisis Doctor is so much more than what E. Junkie put on paper here. But then I well, also she didn't even acknowledge that it was the Metacrisis Doctor. Like you had to know that it was like what and that's what I didn't like about that's the only complaint that I really have like actual complaint is the way that she did the journal entries she didn't really explain what was going on she just kind of said an important moment that a Whovian would know in the episode to kind of connect well and I wonder if part of that is just because E. Junkiet has focused so heavily on the doctor and Rose's relationship and Rose wasn't present for much of this meta crisis doctor's time because he was traveling with other companions at that point. 
But at the same time, I feel like it's it's so important if, if you're going to focus on how the 10th doctor is the doctor of love because of his time with Rose to cut this moment so short is not fair to that relationship. No. And like the last scene where, you know, the doctor tell the doctor and the meta crisis doctor and um, what's her name, the redhead Donna and her mm -hmm. mom all go to that parallel earth. And he's, like he he kind of like says you know i can't really i can't really be the man that you want me to be because i'm a time lord but this guy well he's a man he actually is a man and we have all the same thoughts and feelings and i guess that's where we get to like clone moral morality discussions but you know this is essentially me so and she asks him you know none of this is in in the junk yet but she asks him what did what were you going to say how is that sentence finished when you said rose tyler and he's like does it need to be said and he's so cocky and very godlike when he says that and then she looks at the one that only has one heart and will you know age and die with her and he whispers in her ear and i can't help but believe that he says i love you and you know kissy yeah. kissy face and the doctor's like well fuck and he just bounces out <laughs> <laughs> well and for who fans watching that scene either live when it first aired or going back and watching it for the first time later that's like a super emotional scene like top five most emotional doctor who moments absolutely um, and it was very polarizing too for a lot of people but so i wonder if that might be why junkiet didn't write so much about it like maybe maybe that scene is still too painful to write about. Maybe. I mean, it's, maybe, it's, maybe I just can't put my finger on it. it. Say that again. I said, or maybe they didn't know how to do that scene justice. I mean, there's there's so many ways that that it could have had some justice done to it, in my opinion. But as you said, like it is it is very polarizing. So maybe she didn't care for it. Maybe she didn't uh, like it. So she chose to end it on what she liked. Yeah, that's possible too. the The joy of fan fiction is you can just ignore the aspects of a of a storyline you don't like. But the, but what's so weird is so you promised us something juicy and funny and all the shipping, and then we got we got the most vanilla fanfic there was. <laughs> <laughs> like it stays true to the same storyline. It's there, you know, it's super all ages, you know, anyone can read this and be okay with it. Um, but you yeah. definitely have to, what I do love about it is you have to be a Whovian to get it. Like yeah. you can't, there's no way you're going to like it or enjoy it if you are not a Whovian. And that's really cool because that makes it kind of like a secret, like it's ours and no one else's. Mm -hmm. I feel that way when I read my students' fan fiction sometimes at work because they're picking TV shows I've never seen before or like K-pop bands I know nothing about. And I, I have no idea what I'm reading content-wise. Like I can grade their grammar. I can look at their sentence structure and their flow of plot. But at the end of the day, I'm like, come here, you say something. I have no idea what you're talking about. I need you to give me some, some information 
<laughs> before I finish reading this. And they well, were the way you teach. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say the student gets so excited. They're like, you want to learn more about my favorite thing? <laughs> And, and well, because that's like why the, you that's why you're a fandom. Like that's why you're in them. It's to talk about yeah. them. Well, and and it's only like a forty five minute class, so I have to be careful and ask them near the end of class. Like, come give me more information on this story you've written, because if I ask at the beginning, I have a forty five minute monologue coming out of of a student's mouth about all the things they loved and why they included it in this five paged thing. You mean? <laughs> You mean the printed panel podcast comes into your classroom? Every, every day, <laughs> every day during fan fiction week. <laughs> they can just, they, they'll get on a topic and just go for 45 minutes and they'd be like, oh crap, we're supposed to be, we're supposed to be recording something. <laughs> they were recording this past weekend and before they hit the start button, they're like, remember 30 to 35 minutes and they finish and they're like 55 minutes. And I'm like, oh guys. You love your stuff so much. Well, and so like you get a little long winded too. So every now and again, you'll start to hear me like try to prompt you. Like sometimes I interrupt because we interrupt each other and we, we like to talk with each other. And it's easier when you're in person because the technology works. So like sometimes when you and I are talking over each other, people can't hear what we're saying. Mm -hmm. So I've tried really hard to do a little less of that. Um, but I know I've messed up a few times. But like, it, the, the guys, the guys do that. The guys just, they get on something and they just go back and forth and they don't stop. Like me, I got a little timer on my desk and I'm like, I'm the little person checking their time and clicking on their wrist. <laughs> I was also allowed on the, the printed panel podcast. It would go for days. Like there would be no episodic end. You are the queen of the Southern goodbye. I am. It's so true. Speaking of Southern goodbyes, uh, is, is our timer indicating it's time to move to our favorite business service plug? Is that me being like super passive aggressive? I wasn't trying to be. <laughs> I was trying to be like funny about it. <laughs> I hope all of our listeners are laughing with us and not at us. Um, they can laugh at just as long as they're listening. I don't care. <laughs> I'm a little slut puppy for listeners. Just give us listeners. Come on. Yes. Um, so this week, our business service plug, we couldn't find any local businesses that are fan fiction specific or Doctor Who specific. But one of my favorite shops in Westtown Mall is called Box Lunch. Uh, Box Lunch sells a variety of fandom-based uh, apparel and uh, items and knickknacks. If if it's something you love, you might find it there. So, uh, but the nice thing about Box Lunch, they're also a civic-minded um, specialty retailer. Every $10 spent on their pop culture-themed products of apparel, accessories, home goods, etc., they provide a meal for feeding, through Feeding America um, on behalf of local member food banks. And because of COVID-19, Box Lunch has shifted all of their online purchased donations and all of their direct online donations to support Feeding America's COVID-19 response fund. Oh uh, my so gosh. Yeah. Well, and so what I like about their website, you can buy stuff and every $10 you spend goes to the, to they, they donate a meal through Feeding America. 
but they also have an option where you can just straight give cash in $5 increments from five all the way up to $50. So if you don't really need to buy a knickknack this week, you can always just go throw $5 on their website and it goes straight to Feeding America right now. Um, That's amazing. I didn't realize that you could buy things online. I thought it was just a mall store. Yeah, no, it's, it's a mall store and online. And so like some of my favorite things that I find there, um, it, I find a lot of Harry Potter and Disney fandom stuff there. Uh, but I also sometimes will find like niche fandoms that you can't find other places like Corgis. They sell a lot of Corgi stuff, which isn't a nerd thing to think about. But if you've ever checked out Corgi Butts Make Me Nuts on Pinterest, there's a hardcore fan following of Corgis. And it's one of my stepsister's favorite dogs. So that's where I go to get her Christmas presents every year because they have corgis galore um, on shirts and keychains and flasks and everything else you could possibly put a dog's tushy or face on. Well, and they are also basically, do you, like, I, I know you 80s kids can remember this, but in the mall we had a Sanrio store. They They're sell basically, stuff. say that again. They sell some Sanrio stuff. I find Hello Kitty stuff. They sell a ton of it. They have Gudetama. Yes. The little egg, the fried egg that's just like, oh, mm -hmm. life. <laughs> Choco Cat was always my favorite Sanrio character, and I find him there quite often, too. Well, and the, um, the new Agrisuko. Like, there's a ton yeah. of Agrisuko stuff there. And they carry a lot of Final Fantasy. They have a huge Funko Pop wall. So whatever your your fandom niche is, they they carry it or they can order it for you. Yeah, I think that was a really good. Um, I mean, and that's that's a local store too because our locals have a job there at the Westtown location. They give an on a, an in an awesome way to a charity group, and they're online for those of us who are terrified to go to a store right now. <laughs> Which is why we're still recording via online. So tech issues, sorry, but we're trying really hard. And I think our sound quality sounds better. So sidebar, sorry. <laughs> um. So yeah, I, I like that you picked that. Thank you very much for bringing that one up. That's a good. That's a good one. And I don't feel bad when I drop a hundred dollars there on junk I don't need because I just provided ten meals to people I don't know. Well, and it's really good presents. Like, it's a good present store, you know? Like you were saying yes. for your sister-in-law, like, that's that's great, you know? Alrighty, so let's see here. I think it's time to roll up. Yes, uh, I rolled a fan fiction, so I think it's your turn to roll this week. Okay, I'm going to get out my big Mamma Jamma D20 because, like, this oversized sucker, I feel like I roll better when I roll it. So let's see what I get. Ooh, sure. Okay, well, you're going to be happy. We oh. rolled for Monstrous. <gasps> I love Monstrous. I know you do. It's definitely, this was one of your additions on this list. <laughs> it's my favorite comic book slash graphic novel series of all time. And really? It is, what, it's, it is the, so I, I have a love-hate relationship with comic books. Let's not talk too much about it. No, no, no. <laughs> But it, it's the book that made me start reading comics. We'll leave it at that. We'll talk more about it next time. Oh, that's true. That's true. I remember. I actually, I remember that because I, was that the first girls' night book club. 
Yep. That was the first one, right? It was. I think so. Yeah. And so you were like, okay, fine. I'll go to this, but whatever. And then you read it and you were addicted. Yes, absolutely. All right. We need to roll for drinks. Um, Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was really excited about that. Or, well, I was excited for you. (laughs) (laughs) I rolled a 12. You rolled a 12. Um, You get juice. Oh, yay. <laughs> Do you want to have, have a sippy cup? <laughs> I, I might. I might borrow one of my son's sippy cups and drink my juice like a good little girl while we talk about monstrous. Oh, man. I rolled. I don't like rolling this. I rolled this before, and I'm not a fan. <laughs> well, you didn't get to have your Allen special this week, and you settled for red, red wine. Do you want your Allen special later? You know, I always have red wine on on hand, and so that's why I went with red wine. Um, so you know what? I'm going to I'm going to do that because I don't want I don't want another Coors Light. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> I'm not rolling well. This die is going in dice jail. <laughs> you can also take Coors Light off your list. <laughs> like, but it's my like it's gotta stay on there because it is a low so like my low my my nat one is pickle juice even though it was your number four <laughs> like your number one is water because you hate water that much hate water. <laughs> but you know like it, it needs to stay on there but since i did not get my allen special i know i'll get allen special next time because i'll be back home i'm not gonna be at work but yeah let's do that and by work i mean like dog sitting like my second job is pet sitting um, and I couldn't be there with my boys, so I had to settle with wine with my girls. Woot woot. All right, so you've got a you have a juice, I have Alan Special. And, we'll and it monstrous. looks like it looks like we're gonna be reading Monstrous for next time, which makes Heather very happy. Woot woot. We had another fun one off today here at Adventure Seed Podcast. Follow our quest, Adventure Seed Podcast, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and wherever you get podcasts. May the dice always be in your favor. Roll Roll well, well, guys. to the human side of wealth management leaders, innovators, and influencers with the Big Reveal podcast from Suzanne Syracuse in partnership with InvestNet. Tune in and subscribe to find out why she calls it the Big Reveal. Get a rare view into the human side of wealth management leaders, innovators, and influencers with the Big Reveal podcast from Suzanne Syracuse in partnership with InvestNet. Tune in and subscribe to find out why she calls it the Big Reveal.